Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget with my main man, Kevin. Say hey, Kevin. What's up, everybody? And we're here with uh, our special guest today, a friend of mine. You don't know him because he's my friend. <laughs> <You're> stupid. <laughs> you, you don't know him. If, if you follow boxing, you might know him. His name is uh, Staff Sergeant Javier Albanica. Uh, he is a reservist right now. He is a professional boxer right now. He's not active, but he has a record of 14 and 2. So he's fucking for real. And uh, he's going to talk to us today. So say hey. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Javier here. Uh, what's going on? Shit, chilling. Oh, Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. So there are certain questions we ask for every show, kind of. And yeah. um, we're going to kind of take it back to the old school with our stuff. And I'm going to ask, what made you join the military? What made me join the military? Um, I, I can honestly say that uh, I kind of always knew that I was going to join the military. I just didn't know when. Uh, I grew up on like army figurines, you know, love watching um, any war-based movies. And I always kind of knew like, oh yeah, that, I mean, I'm gonna be there. You know, I seen like, you know, uh, Full Metal Jacket and I envisioned myself in that line getting screamed at you know, probably smirking at the Joe Sarrant. So, you know. What is it I've, about I've that movie it. that everyone has to watch before they go to basic? No yeah, shit. Yeah, that they gets they get you mentally ready for uh, what you think is going to happen. The night before I went out, man, I watched that shit on the couch. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm ready. Nothing, <laughs> nothing well, like and, you know, and that movie is such a, um, it's such a uh, deterrent in some cases, and it, like, sets the bar way too high because we're not like that at all. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> and, like... It's it's pretty bad. Like people will be like, man, I could never join the military because I've seen Full Metal Jacket. I know how you guys are. I'm like, it's it's not like that at all. Yeah, have yeah. Your, uh, Kevin is a drill sergeant right now. He's in the reserves also. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh okay. yeah, especially. And, and, I mean, the transition from the military from uh from knife hands, you know, uh, certain verbiage has fucking strained. Like has definitely pulled away from that. It's more of a facilitating classes and. You know, um, you have to be very careful on what you say. Anything can be an EO or shark complaint. You have to be, you have, you have to walk. Yeah. In, you, you, as, I think as a drill instructor or NCOs, you have to walk on a very thin line. And you have to be yeah, careful. Any more you, you do. Yeah. Any more you do, for sure, man. I mean, you know, and, and, and so, you know, Tyree and I were both Love and Bravo, active duty, and then coming into the reserves, like that transition back then you know I, I came in reserves in 06 and like even back then that transition was very awkward right because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very used to like how we did things on active duty in the infantry and you know like you you know like in the infantry like we do things differently in the infantry than another unit might do you know fucking 88 mic unit or chem unit or whatever so like that transition from like like be locked up you know what i'm saying like you're gonna be at parade rest if you're talking to an nco you know that's just across the board you know blah 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 and all that stuff right like to the reserves where it's like hey jim what's up man i'm like jim the first sergeant <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. oh yeah i think I, I think uh i can agree and everybody can agree it's a shock uh you know i was active four years so 11 charlie um and the same thing uh reserves you get there and somebody addresses you you fucking lock up with a with yeah. a pop real quick and then 
Abe is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you <laughs> I'm just looking around. Like, here, right? They're like, uh, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm confused. He's like, no, man, you don't do that here. And I'm like, you don't do what? <laughs> like, you don't go to parade rest when the NCO is talking to you? Right. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Standard and then, customs and courtesies just don't apply. Oh, yeah. Every day. Is yeah, that was funny. Every day. So well, it's, even, it's even more frustrating though when you are the NCO now, right? And because you know what the standard looks like, right? Having been infantry, uh, 11 Charlie, right? And then and then you come into the reserves and you are an NCO and you get these young soldiers. Um, I don't know what kind of unit you're in now, but like these young soldiers that come into the reserves and and then you know you have it's other NCOs that are saying, no, whoa, 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 we don't do parade rest here. We don't we don't really do that here. You know, it's not really our thing. And then you have these new soldiers that are learning this like wrong way of being in the army, right. and it's just perpetuating the same fucking problem. They're like. We've talked about several times on the, on the show was that this the, the army leadership and um, soldiership in general is just going down fucking hill. Oh yeah, I've I, I'm working at a schoolhouse now up uh, in Central California, and um, I see it there pretty frequently. I mean, you, if you feel like you have the you know the, the standards, basic soldiering skills, uh, the do's and don'ts, you know, don't walk with your hands in your pockets, you know, uh, addressing uh, another NCO or uh, you know just being in that. In, in that world and just seeing how these students that come come there they're so relaxed and i'm just kind of like like we're still all wearing a uniform like how how yeah. how like you should know like having your pockets your hands in your pockets or chewing gum or walking and talking to your cell phone or like big like i remember i see it scream from like across the field hey, yo! i was like oh <laughs> shit in the panic mode like what am i doing what i'm looking down at my uniform like what am i doing wrong i'm like on my phone i said fuck yeah. yeah and then now like everybody's so relaxed so kicked back and you know if you address if you even you know tactfully make it a make a correction hey soldier uh you know you can't walk and talk on your phone people looking at you like what the fuck is wrong with this guy i'm like like yeah, you did still, wrong. yeah we're, we're active duty like we're you're active duty you're you're coming to uh you know, MOS school, and you get you change your MOS, and that's fine. But you're a student here, whether you're E6, E7, uh, E5. You know, you got to set example for all these uh, lower enlisted here. I mean, yeah. if everybody's fucking, you know. No, uh, man. Like I, I, so drill sergeant, right? And you got these trainees say at the the PX, and they're in there, sitting there with their their AirPods, their whatever's in, right? And that's not allowed. Listening um, to Nickelback. Yeah, jamming out to Nickelback or whatever the fuck they're doing. And but you know they but they're doing it wrong right they're being wrong because right. they're they're not supposed to have those in in uniform, and I've I've even noticed like I'll approach them I'm a drill I'll be in my uniform I have my fucking hat, and I'm like hey uh not supposed to have shit in your ears in uniform out here in public like this like put that shit away, and I'll get looked at like I'm a, like I'm annoying like I just annoyed them, you know <laughs> not not like Roger that drills aren't or you know oh, oh my bad I did I didn't know. But like this motherfucker is really coming out here to tell me to take my AirPods out. Yeah, the the audacity for I you to know. make a correction. Like, I know. know how many Instagram followers I have. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who I am? You know how many likes my TikTok just got? Exactly. Exactly. I'm about to go viral, bitch. Yeah, yeah motherfucker, get your shit together. That's just in here, drills okay. aren't. Yeah. So, did you join prior to 9 11 or, or uh, pre 9 11? Yeah, I, I joined 2005. Okay. So, you had some time to think about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. and I was, I, I was straight out of high school, too. Okay. So, you were in high school when 9 11 happened? 
Yeah. You in eighth grade? No, yeah, high school. Uh, what, how did that go? What What was that experience? Um, I remember. I don't know if I was in school. I think I was on my way home, and when I w- rushed home, like I felt like it was like a numbing feeling because I felt like people they were driving or people they were like I was passing by stores and I see people watching the television, and like everybody had the same reaction of numbing, like oh shit, no way. And I was thinking like what the fuck's going on? And I was like, right, you know what, I'm rush home to see what's going on. And then I turn, I turn on the TV and, and, you know, you see, you see the Twin Towers, you know, I think, I don't know if it was the first one. I think it was when I was watching it, the first one had hit or had already hit. And I'm just like, oh shit, like what just happened? And, um, and then the second plane hit and I'm, I'm thinking like, dude, we're getting, we're getting attacked. Like, like, yeah. you know, um and i remember i remember just you know i think i stayed in, I was staying in an apartment and just kind of like uh going outside and then seeing like the commotion of people like hey come 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 look check check it you see the news and i was just thinking like oh fuck and um i, I didn't at, when that happened i didn't think like oh shit i'm, I'm gonna go join the military now today i need to go sign up but i figured yeah. As, if, as that was developing, I was just kind of like, let's, let's get ready, boys. <laughs> so you, do, you, do you think at that time that you, you understood, like, the significance of that event? You know no, I mean? definitely because, not. Yeah. I, definitely. Mean, I don't think, honestly, I don't think really anybody, I don't think really anybody expected it to last 20 fucking years, you know? No, definitely not. I mean, mm-hmm. no, I mean when that happened, I, I mean, nobody thought, I mean, it was kind of like, oh, shit, we're about to go to war, right? Yeah. But it wasn't like we're about, yeah, obviously we're not going to be, we're going to be involved in the 20-year conflict. So I didn't know how how, the, how grave the situation and how it was going to develop into what it developed. And, I mean, I didn't know I was going to be in the military for the next 17 years. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, you got to say it's nothing that let you, that, that uh, gave you the idea that, you know, in a few years, just a few years after this, you would be in the military yourself. And that's kind of a you kind of a cool guess because you're one of the first folks who have a a, a large gap between 9/11 and joining when you actually join. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to hit you with the how did your family feel about it, uh, 9/11, all that kind of stuff. But I do want to know how they felt about you joining the military so many years later. You know, it's funny. Uh, I didn't tell I didn't tell anybody I was joining the military. I just kind of I was kind of new. Maybe they kind of assumed that I was going to join the military. But I didn't tell them when. Um, I left the house, I think, at 17 and a half. My mom was imposing all these rules and regulations. She wanted me to pay rent and have a curfew. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hit it's the street. Like, oh, no. Yeah, I was like, all right, good. I think when I left the house, I slammed the door. And it didn't slam right. So I opened it up again to slap him. <laughs> slam it the second time. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm out of this, motherfucker. And... Uh, I think, uh, you know, being 17 years old, uh, not having graduated college yet, I mean, uh, high school, and um, I had this limb of time in between that and when I joined, where um, I was trying to figure things out myself and, um, you know, pay my own bills, food, um, work, and then, um, you know, manage myself. Then I got in trouble a couple of times. You know, I'm a fighter, so, you know, getting fights here and there, left and right. Um, the, the one of the biggest events that kind of probably pushed me more to uh join the military was um I think we were at a house party and like we got like jumped by like the whole party basically because one of my female friends got in a fight 
and anybody wanted to jump in. Um, and at that night, um, somebody's car got bashed from rocks and stuff like that. And I stayed to make sure that, you know, the person's car got either towed or he figured out how he was going to get it home or what have you. And then when um, paramedics got there, they see me standing by the car. Uh, they see, you know, the windows are all banged up and they assume that I was the one that, you know, bashed the rock, the windows in and stuff like that. I try to explain to them. They weren't listening. Suddenly the, the cops get there. They're talking to the paramedics and I'm thinking like, oh shit, what's going on? All of a sudden the cops get there. They put my, put me in handcuffs and like, all right, you're going to jail. Like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't, you know, this, you know, this car is reported. So I don't know. They gave me some BS and I was thinking my life flashed before my eyes. I was like, dude, now I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm not gonna be able to join the military. And that was like, you know, that's what my, I wanted to join the military. And I was like, fuck. And then uh, one of my other female friends, she came back and she cleared it up. She was like, no, he didn't do nothing. It was, it was, you know, the party that got crazy. So it let me out of handcuffs. And I was like, oh shit, life flashed before my eyes. I thought I was about to go to jail. Um, fuck, let me get out of, let me get out of here before I get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, I signed up for the military. And I didn't know with my temper, um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it through um, basic, you know, having people, three drill sergeants in your face and screaming at you because you're clenching your jaw or you looked away or something like that. And I was like, I, I, got, I think I got, uh, well, I got a 14 and 14 in uh, basic training. I, I did get in a fight <laughs> yeah. and uh, cracked somebody's head open. And um, <laughs> then he tried to hit me with a rifle. Long story short, uh, my uh, commander at the time was a ranger guy. Uh, he loved how athletic and um, I mean, I was on top of my shit, you know, obstacle courses. And he was like, he's a good kid. Uh, you know, shit happens. He was like, you know, boys will be boys. I got 14 and 14, but uh, it wasn't until I graduated that I called my mom and said, hey, I joined the military. Ooh. I'm here now. I just graduated. Uh, you probably can't Dang. make it to graduation, but I'm here. <laughs> I, I deployed to South Korea in a couple months. That's what crazy, dude. Like you that's different. Everyone else's parents <laughs> had some kind of idea at least. But you yeah, straight up, uh, we're done with basic. Who did uh, you write? What did you wait? Yeah, who did you write? Who did anyone know you were there? Um, no, I, I had a <laughs> I think at the time I had a couple of friends that that I got like, party with that that were there at the incident that I knew that had that I was gonna join the military because we like all stayed in like a like one condo or something like that it was like fucking 10 of us and we're all paying for it um uh yeah we, i don't know how we was eating but uh they all knew i joined the military and i was like hey guys i gotta get out of here i need to do some of my life so they all knew they were all some of them were writing me some of my close friends um i think i had a sugar mama that was writing <laughs> me too <laughs> Still sending me stuff. <laughs> so uh yeah maybe a couple of sweethearts but uh, yeah, as far as like family, nobody really knew except my mom when I graduated. And what was her reaction of you uh, graduating? You um, did what? She yeah. was like, "Wait, you're where? What do you mean you're in the army now? <laughs> what do you mean you're about to deploy to to Korea for about a year?" Wait, she, she didn't was, realize uh, you're going for fourteen weeks at least. You know, no, because we weren't talking. Oh man, we, we weren't talking. We, you know, my mom was a, a headstrong prideful person so after i slammed the door twice and said i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a man now she was like okay let, i'm gonna let you figure it out by yourself mm. you know don't, you know and then my me being prideful i'm not gonna call her saying hey uh, yeah. i need some money or 
you know, hey, can I move back? You know, I had to figure it out myself. Oh, yeah. But I think I think that maybe in a sense, I'm sure she was pretty, I'm pretty sure she was worried, even though she didn't tell me. But uh, and I think in a sense, she felt a little more comfortable knowing that I'm in the military and I'm not out in the streets drinking, partying, fighting and doing whatever I, you know. Um, I mean, I guess it's not that much safer to have joined, you know, the military during war conflict. But kind of what, uh, what it is. What, right? Yeah. What made you go infantry though? I mean, did you do? Did you pick Levin Charlie or did no, you? No, no, it was infantry. infantry. Yeah, yeah, I was straight infantry, and I, uh, I didn't know that I was. I didn't know what Eleven Charlie was, mm. and so uh, I think our, uh, you know, because we're we're in this, we basic training. I was at a uh, uh, Sand Hill. I was uh, first and fifties, uh, Foxtrot. Uh, I wasn't in, in the barracks. I was in the bungalows next to the obstacle obstacle courses. I don't know if you guys, um, uh. And I think uh, it was a during uh, FTX because that's when the 11 Bravos and 11 Charlie split. Right. So it was FTX. It was like, okay, uh, you're 11 Charlie. You're going to be going with Joe Sergeant Mars to go over here. You guys going to be doing uh, field exercise over here. And I was kind of like, wait, what's going on? I was like, why is everybody else going over here? And only like, you know, select a few going over here. He's like, oh, well, basically when you join, uh, you did join as an infantryman, but you joined up as 11 X-Ray. is your yeah. MOS when you join up. So basically, it's where, you know, military wants to place you and the needs. So we need some 11 Charlies. So you're going to come in with us. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, for me, I, even to this day, I mean, I tell people, yeah, I'm an infantry man. Da, da, da. I got my EIB, you know. Um, but uh, I've been, I've been to, when I went to Korea, it was a mechanized unit. And we were attached to a, a cap scout. So um, we had 113s and, you know, obviously we didn't we're not doing light infantry stuff we're not moving you know um uh, we're doing gunneries for 45 days at a time and yeah. that was that was fun um we was out there shooting white phosphorus doing a little training before they you know took it off the market and took it off but uh, uh i always kind of knew that i wanted to do infantry I mean, I, uh my um my gt wasn't that low i think it was like 102 103 uh i had other options but I always wanted to, you know, I want to kick indoors. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've never, I don't think I was ever scared. Like, you know, hey, we're doing this is a possibility, higher possibility of you, you know, dying or this or what have you getting hurt. I always kind of, you know, it was always ingrained in my head. Like, I want to be an infantry guy. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, and we've talked about that with a lot of our, um, the dudes that we were uh, deployed with is like, you know, we asked them that question. Like, why'd you go infantry? And, and a lot of them are like, I mean, what else is there to do in the army? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like nobody, nobody, nobody when they're a kid is fucking playing dental as an army. Right, exactly. You exactly. friends and are out playing army. I'm, I'm going to be the dentist. <laughs> you know and, then, I mean? and then also too, I mean, uh, I talked to the recruiter by myself. So um, I didn't, I have no family in the military at all. So I really didn't have uh, like, nobody said, Hey, you know what? Uh, if you want to join the military, maybe you should get into a job that maybe can transfer into a career, uh, you know, outside of the military when you do eventually get out. Um, I wasn't thinking about being in the military more than, you know, those four years that I initially enlisted. So, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking like, oh, can I, do I want to be a cook? Do I want to be this? No, I was like, I felt like the only job that mattered to me at that point to join up for was to be an infantryman. Yeah. So, I mean, what did you, what was your plan for after the military then? So, I mean, you, you, you only wanted to do that, that first contract or whatever. 
Yeah, so um, also too, also too, while I was there, uh, I was conscious too before I joined um, that through the military you can try to like you can try to go to the Olympics a little bit faster. I guess you because uh, being an army boxing team, you mm-hmm. get uh, you get placed in all the uh, like the main events. Like they're already like slotted to be able to go to and compete in those main events. So I figured through the military I can maybe get into the uh, to the Olympics. I was the Olympics. Uh, I was in Beijing, Beijing hopeful in 2008. Um, I did make it onto the army boxing team. Okay. Uh, I, my first year, I uh, I was a uh, South Korea Pens- Pensacola champion. I was whooping everybody's ass over there. <laughs> um, then uh, I tried to get into the army boxing team then, but uh, my my uh, platoon sergeant at the time hated my guts and he was trying to get me kicked out of the military. A uh, uh, funny story uh, before I get to that. Uh, so my first day in South Korea, uh, I get there in the evening or whatever, uh, meet my platoon sergeant, and he doesn't really give me too much info. I said, hey, these are the berries, you know, tomorrow morning, meet, meet us here. And um, I, he then he told me that they have uh, fire or fire alarm drills uh, either the first Thursday or the last Thursday of the month. So, you know, after he points me out to the barracks, I go to sleep and I set my alarm off for like, you know, four o'clock or something. And um, at three o'clock, I hear it with loud ass sirens, right? So there's the war drills that they do just in case North Korea is attack, uh, attack South Korea. But yeah. I didn't know this at the time. So I wake up at three o'clock. I'm thinking at first it's faint. I'm thinking like, whose alarm is that? And I'm like, is that my alarm? I look at it and I'm like, no, it's not my alarm. I hear how loud it is. And it's, and I'm just kind of like, oh shit. I open the door to the to the dorm, to the barracks. And I see people like running out and BDUs, getting their rucksack on, like putting their stuff on in a hurry. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, try to ask my hey, what's going on? I'm like, get your shit, get your shit. And I'm like, oh fuck. You know, so I put on my gear, try to put on my gear and I'm running out to the motor pool. And uh, I get to the motor pool and everybody like, you know, 11 Charlies, all the 11 Charlies, the the uh, the, the scouts are jumping on their Bradleys, uh, the char- the Charlies were going to jump on our 113s and everybody's loading up their, uh, you know, their 113s with uh, 50 cows or the 240s and everybody's loading up ammunition and I'm just kind of here panicking. I'm like, oh shit. I was like, man, my fucking luck, man. The first day I get here, we're about to get attacked by fucking North Korea. We're going to war. I was like, I'm fucking dead. Good. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, index i was kind of like, <laughs> just happening he's like oh yeah nobody told you about the drill that we have every beginning thursday or last thursday like, no that's motherfucker. Fucked up, man. That's <laughs> fucked up. i thought i was gonna that was gonna die that is fucked but, up. Uh, but getting back to uh the army stuff boxing stuff um uh the reason another reason why uh i was thinking about the, the military and why i wanted to do it was because i wanted to mm-hmm. aspiring boxer um i wanted to try to get into olympics uh get into olympics and competing for um you know, my country, I felt like it was going to be a way to elevate my boxing career when I did get out. So um, I didn't, I wasn't able to get to the first year because my platoon sergeant hated my ass. But um, the second year when I got to Fort Stewart, uh, they're all for me trying to uh, fight for the Army Army boxing team or trying to compete. So I did. Um, I went to Fort Huachuca to compete for the All-Army uh, boxing team to first slot. Um I think uh, I lost like 22 pounds in like two weeks to try to make it because uh, the 152 slot, which is what I was trying to fight for, was already slotted by uh, an Olympian alternate and somebody else. And um, there was like, well, we have a slot at 141. There's only you and the kid, another kid that's competing for it. If you can beat him, you get slotted. And I was kind of like, okay, I just got to lose 22 pounds in two weeks. 
It's kind of like, well, how bad do you want it? So um, I, I made it happen, and I beat the kid. Uh, forgot his name, but um, beat him and got a slot on the Army boxing team. Um, I was stationed. I got stationed in Fort Carson. And, um, yeah, and then from there, I started going to all the, co- all the big competitions. Uh, I think I was ranked number seven a couple of, well, during the 2006, 2007. I went to nationals. Um, I got back from that. I think going to nationals qualifies you to go to the pre-Olympics. So um, I got back at that time. By the time I finished that, my unit had just got sent to NTC to go get ready to deploy. Uh, and then I talked to uh, my unit back home. And it was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta do that. You know, don't, don't, you know, you, you don't have to come with us. Uh, Colonel Adji, whatever, he just let, he gave you permission to go ahead to stay on the army boxing team, to stay where you're at. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna try to, you know, make it to Olympics or I'm gonna try to go to the pre, uh, pre-Olympic trials. And, um, what ended up happening? Um, so they were NTC. Uh, I needed to get some uh, paperwork done from uh, G1 to be able to stay where I was at in Fort Carson. Um, I didn't have communication with the person that had the answers because everybody was in NTC training. So I had to deal with Rear D and they didn't know what they were doing. So uh, Fort Carson, my, my team was like, hey, we'll just go to Fort Stewart, fix that shit and just come back. And I was kind of like, okay, cool. Uh, so you could, so I could try to make it to the Olympic Charles. Uh, I went to back and forth Stewart. Uh, I wasn't able to get it done. And um, I called the boxing team. They was like, well, you know what? You can come, you can come back, you know, get ready. You can be an alternate to an alternate basically. And you can stay here in Fort Carson. And then I thought about it. That was an option I had to, I had. And then I had the, the other one that weighed me. It was my last year, I believe too. Uh, my unit was deploying, and at that at that moment, I felt like uh, I, I know you've seen three hundred. Uh, the the one soldier with the patch that hey, nobody yeah. can tell a story more better than you can. I need you to do this to service for us, and I felt like I was gonna be that dude that got sent away or was doing something else instead of you know <laughs> fighting my brothers in uh, yeah. Iraq. So at that point, I decided that I didn't want to be an alternate to an alternate. I already had missed out on the pre Olympic trials. So this was my last year in the military or active. So I decided at that point that I wanted to deploy with my, you know, my brothers in arms. And um, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's funny. Uh, we got we got hit uh, the first day out of the wire. Um, <laughs> the second day we got hit again. This is coming out of Fal Falcon, uh, Jackson Road. I think it was Jackson. Um, I think the, the second time we got hit, um, we had... Um, Lieutenant in front of us lose both his legs uh, with a concussion blast. Uh, the gunner was bleeding out his ears. I had to take this. I had to take his seat, and this was our second day. Uh, third day, we finally make it to uh, our patrol base, and I'm burning shit with a fucking steak GPA, and I come back to you know the huddle or whatever, and everybody's like. So do you regret coming back, coming here now? Yeah. <laughs> at that moment, I knew that maybe I had fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a great fucking introduction to war. Like, you know, yeah. First yeah. couple days getting fucking hit, blown up, dude losing his legs, and now you're starting stirring shit. Yeah, um, hadn't even gotten the shit out of your bee bag yet, and you guys yeah. are fucking. Don't even know where your hygiene kit is. Yeah. No, my my platoon sergeant was like, "Man, fucking first day here, you already got your CIB, huh?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, we were in country for uh, a month before 
or three weeks before we had our um first engagement to where we you know got our CIB or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was back in '04 when you know shit oh, was yeah. happening all the damn time. But like we were getting kind of tested. Like they were the way they were doing things. They saw the new unit patch, and we had more of a presence than the previous unit did. Um, they wouldn't go out for twelve hour missions that you know like, like we did. And, say, yeah. yeah. So like we, we would, there. they would. Yeah, no, we were always in fucking town, and you know, and we were going out in company size elements at the time, and so we had, we had rotated one of our platoons out, and traded them with a tank platoon, so we had Abrams on mission every time we went out. Oh, so shit. we had, uh, four Bradleys from one platoon, four Bradleys from another platoon, two fucking Abrams, and then um all the uh, up armored uh, gun trucks from headquarters company. Um, okay, you fully loaded. all rolling out at the same damn time to go do a mission, and like it, you yeah, know, I, that's I, huge, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole lot of fucking armor and uh, and uh, and firepower. And you well, know, so, so I can imagine me like all that stuff, all those people, all that equipment. Why would you fuck with that? I don't know. Uh, and I, I was just gonna say, like, I think, I think maybe that's why it took them so long to like, like form an attack against us because they were like, how the fuck do we hit this <laughs> ginormous wall of, of fucking steel i mean this Man. is the abrams himself i mean yeah. i said abram run over ids and just just keep on rolling yeah what was that yeah yeah, yeah like, what the fuck was that yeah um matter of fact our, our first little anything uh well we had an abrams it ran over um a uh what was it like a llama like a pressure mine and blew off some track and i think it damaged a road wheel okay. and uh and so what what was it? one of the gun trucks that was right behind the Abrams, they were pulling the six o'clock security, which they shouldn't have been because my platoon was like our, you know, Tyrene and our platoon was like right behind them. And this dude just opens up on the 240. So the first time we get shot at, the first time I get shot at was from one of the guys in headquarters fucking platoon. <laughs> he was like, wait a second, why are we getting tracer fire? Yeah, <laughs> Do the bad yeah. guys have tracers? No, yeah, they don't have fair. fucking tracers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, that's gay. But uh, but yeah. Um, go ahead, Kevin. No, that's it. What uh country were you at when you were in country? What country were you at when? You Where'd you deploy to? That's funny. Uh, I was in uh Iraq. I was um uh, South Baghdad, in between Sadr. We was actually in one of Saddam Hussein's little vacation house right across the Tigris River. Oh. Uh, yeah. Was it? Was it called? Real nice city place to stay. But well, no headquarters was staying in the <laughs> headquarters was staying in the actual house. We uh-huh. had to fucking we had we actually slept like for forty five days, uh, on this fucking uh hard terrain where we had to come bring fucking uh cut these fucking trees down, fucking mow the I mean, turn the fucking dirt and tree trunks out, and then we slept in the fucking three sixty perimeter for like first forty five days. Yeah, fucking made him fucking in a Humvee with fucking full battle rattle, fucking sleeping like this. <laughs> and fucking neck crank. I was like, God damn, no showers for forty five days too. So everybody fucking smelled like baby shit because everybody had little baby wipes. They were wiping themselves up with. It was hot as shit. So everybody was sweating like a motherfucker. So it was, yeah, those those were rough. Forty five days, no showers. You just get the water bottles and just fucking. Yeah. Now you get real good. I mean, I used to tell people it was like I'm, because uh, we we would often go without showers as well. I mean, occasionally they would set up to, like they would bring in water on the fob if we were if we were at the fob. Um, when we set up Yuvani, we had showers for a little bit, um, and then water was cut off to it. I don't know why, but 
a one liter bottle of water like yeah. you would you could you you learned to hit all your four essentials right? <laughs> armpit tassel crotch and teeth um have enough to shave and brush your teeth and have a little bit to to drink afterwards swell, uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel, we had some engineering guys uh i feel like uh we had uh after like you know the first two months we had like um somebody engineering like a little bag kind of sort of that we used to hang and uh we used to pour like the, the water there and then we used to like pull the little 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 protection slit little slide pull yeah. it out and the water would come through and it would have holes so it filtered down like a shower so everybody had like we had like a little shower set up where we nice, just man. had water <laughs> yeah we, we made our i think our own little gym at first we had you know i think people uh i think the order is what what was it called um this little oh uh, a, a bow flex machine we ordered yeah. a bow flex machine we uh, we made we made it happen we uh recreationally i was like all right what can we do to make this place better this is what this is all we got yeah yeah i can't think of uh anything that we we needed that we couldn't make everyone in the infantry that i know of any fob that they're at there's always some shit that was just fucking put together somehow yeah, yeah. some so shady ass shit yeah, yeah. And, oh don't forget the rippers we had to have rippers as so long as we had we had cases we had we we didn't have food we had uh mre we were mres for i don't know how long banana banana muffins some getaway packages and we had cases of fucking rippy so we didn't we didn't have rippets over there no, we didn't have no rip it rip it hadn't hadn't been a thing yet, oh, it hadn't um, yet. we uh <clears throat> occasionally so like on brassville mora there was um like a little mini px that they would stock a like oh yeah like once a month maybe and red bull would come through and so you you know people would go snatch that shit up real quick and then you know hey man like, I, I didn't get to the px and get a red bull from you came in like five bucks whatever fuck off man <laughs> um but yeah like we were pretty limited on caffeine so uh that's why we had like some people like apparently like ordering like ephedrine from fucking Mexico. And, <laughs> you know, uh, man, do what you got to do, man. Hey, hey, you know, I'm not lying. Uh, I know I've seen a couple people uh, order, uh, get um, liquor sent on while I was out there. Yeah. I was well, like, we had, man, we, like, had, we had one I guy get. Hate... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go, no, you're good. Go ahead. No, I used to, I used to hate going to, back to the fog. So we never went. We, I used to stay in the patrol base most of the time. We fucking, you know uh bottom of the bottom you know whenever we used to have uh route clearance maybe cleared route we would have maybe hot chowder once in a while mermaids and you know people would bring mail and stuff like that but for the most part we would go on like large like dry spells where we didn't have stuff and uh i remember uh anytime i went back to the fob fob fucking man these guys are eating four times a day there's in the gym getting big that thing they had like a salsa night plays or something like that i was like what the fuck and then uh, I knew I knew the mail clerk, and the mail clerk is like, you know, let me know, you know, if you need anything, I got you. And I'm like, the fuck, what do you mean? He's like, you know, you need some liquor, you know. I'm like, what the fuck, y'all motherfuckers over here drinking? There's no time, y'all. <laughs> I was like, I fucking hate your motherfuckers. <laughs> but yeah, let me get a little bottle of Ian Jake. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At first, we had people getting stuff in the mail. Um, they would put it in like like little serene bottles, right? They'd yeah. try and like hide it. And then at, at a certain point in that deployment, like people just stopped trying to hide it and just started shipping like actual bottles. Like Tyree here managed to bust an entire bottle of unopened Crown Royal. No, oh, no, man, that was Paul Masson. Oh, oh it man. A bottle. It was one of those little bottles you put in your back pocket, little curved bottle. 
And okay. it was it was enough of a bottle that she fucking shattered it. Yeah, yeah. No. And the whole goddamn hallway smelled like fucking crown. And that my, nobody drank. And my gear smelled like crown because I had to throw it down and like soak it up as quickly as possible. So I'm walking around <laughs> with a poncho liner. I mean, I'm sorry. I fucking, you know, the. Uh, you DC Utah, wasn't it? Or you're, you're Whoopi. Whoopi. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I had that. And from then on, it smells like fucking Paul Masson, man. And yeah. I, I didn't get that shipped to me. That was somebody else. That was great. Yeah. 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 But no, a lot of dudes were getting stuff in the mail. I mean, there was one guy who uh, got a little bit of uh, a little bit of something, something smoke in the mail. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, out there on the fob. He was telling me, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was telling me that like he, he was out there, you know, smoking it or whatever. And that was one of the nights we took a fucking rocket. <laughs> so oh, we sitting yeah. there like mildly high and then this fucking rocket just comes in and like impacts like fucking 50 meters behind him. He's like, bro... Uh, maybe not a good idea to smoke weed over here. <laughs> that is sober to fuck up real quick. Yeah, no shit. Oh, yeah. What's the point? And that yeah, would man. be one memorable smoke, though, man. Like, remember that? <laughs> we, were, we were puffing up. <laughs> Fucking rocket blew up. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I mean you, yeah, you get high, but have you ever got high in the war time? War conflict? <laughs> Getting yeah. rocket shot at you? No, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, give me a, a typical day out on patrol for you, you and your unit. Oh. And what was your unit? Because you haven't even said, I don't think. Uh, uh first or the 30th. Okay. Uh, second brigade, second brigade, yeah. Um, four story static patch. Um, let me see. Um, Ali, I'm gonna tell you something funny. Uh, because I don't know everybody probably had something similar, or if not, almost the exact same thing happened. So, um, Remember, I'm talking about, you know, rock clearance and how we can get a uh, hot chowder once in a while. And um, I forgot, I think it was around Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that. They finally uh, got to us. I think they stopped somewhere along the way and they had to uh, get rock clearance to go and clear them. So I don't know how long they were stopped up for a couple of hours or what have you. But nonetheless, they got this Thanksgiving dinner to us, which we were very grateful for until everybody gets salmonella poison from it. What? So, yeah, I'm talking about, man, I've never, I've, I'm talking about people, like, it was like maybe two weeks, guys were just fucking shitting everywhere. You go to the little woody shedders, and fucking people just in there ripping ass. Whew, horrible, man. I don't think myself included, Um, I think one time out there, like, I burped and just throw, threw up. Fucking, I don't think I've ever, like, literally, literally, like, shit out of, like, piss out of my ass. It was just ribbon right but so this is, this is the funny part right so we we, we used to have uh we used to do like 13 14 hour picketing missions right mm-hmm. and um our mission was to make sure that was the city that you know um we was um we we took over well, not took over the city was uh stationed our patrol base was stationed to or next to we we're trying to make sure that we deterred any type of uh uh, terrorists coming and taking over because that's what they were doing, taking over small little towns and, you know, using it as um, bases to operate. So we're trying to deter the insurgents from doing that. So we used to do 13, 14 hour uh, picketing missions. Uh, mind you, we just, you know, some other is going around, right? So um, we get there, we, we get positioned, T-bone, da, 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 we're patrolling, we're uh, picketing. And um, all of a sudden, over the radio, I hear, hey, uh, I'm going back to the patrol base real quick. And there's, uh, I think it was a lieutenant. I think it was our XO. I don't know who he was there. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm, go- I'm going back to to post. You know, I got to take a shit. And I'm just kind of like, 
Oh, okay, cool. So he goes by himself. Usually you're not supposed to, you know, you can't just drive back by yourself in the Humvee or whatever. He did. And then all of a sudden my shit starts bubbling. I'm the gunner too. So, you know, <laughs> for the sake of God, my guys, I'm like, oh, you know, hey, pass up, you know, get on the radio and let them know, hey, Thunder Six, this is so-and-so. Um, I got to go to the restroom as well. He's like, yeah, nobody's going to go to the restroom. Da-da-da. I'm just kind of like, you just went, you just went, you just went, took one Humvee and went back to the fucking patrol base by yourself to go take a shit because you got something to know like everybody else does, but I can't. Nope. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to try to hold this in, right? And we're already, I don't know how many hours we've been out there, and I'm pretty sure we got a couple more hours to go. And I'm the gunner, mind you, and all of a sudden my shit starts kind of bubbling a little bit, you know? And then I was kind of like, oh shit. And I'm trying to hold it in, and um, you know, uh, everybody's kind of like, "Hey, man, did you shut yourself?" And I was kind of like, "No, man, I'm I'm getting kind of close." And uh, I didn't have fucking we didn't have toilet paper in the fucking Humvee either, so I was like, "Dude, I gotta take fucking shit." And um, I think maybe like a week prior to that, there was a we had found a cache of uh, explosives, and there was a big ass uh, big ass hole on the ground where it was at, and we were picking it right close to it. So I was like, "Dude, I'm just gonna go take a shit right there." And uh, didn't have toilet paper, so I had to get uh, everybody to get their MREs. You know, have the little napkins in there. Mm-hmm. So I had everybody give me the little napkins from the MREs. I accumulated like four of them, five of them. And I went and took a shit in this fucking big-ass fucking hole where we had, a, you know, cache of fucking bombs or whatever. I'm fucking blowing my ass out of there. And uh, it was fucking horrible. Most fucking, I almost shit myself. And it would have been a bad fucking night. So that's one of uh, typical nights of... Uh, Picketing in uh, Al Jabor is the name of the town. Al Jabor, South Baghdad, Iraq, where I almost shit myself. And I think a lot of people lost a lot of weight during that time period. And we were good with eating uh, MREs for next month as long as we didn't get fucking fucked up mermice. Right? <laughs> I, I would be perfectly fine with the damn uh, MRE fucking chili mac yeah. over shit yeah. and out my ass. I'd rather be constipated. Oh, I couldn't imagine going on a mission like that. Oh, yeah, man. That pissed me off. I think all of it pissed me off more. Pissed me off more with the fact that my exo uh, my had gone back uh, to fucking base to take a shit, and I couldn't, and I almost shit myself. Yeah. But uh, that was you know, a fun time. It, that, I think that's one thing that I, I don't think a lot of people really think about. Like, I mean, because you're out on patrol sometimes, or, you know, for eight hours 12 hours or sometimes it gets extended i don't know if people ever really sit there and think about like that's something else that we have to deal with when we're deployed you know what i mean especially you know considering like especially like for units that are actually like like for the infantry like we're we're out in sector like it's not like our bradleys or the humvees or our fucking five tons or lmtvs have fucking porta shitters in them you know what i mean like you have to figure that shit out on patrol so like there were several times where like we'd be out and somebody in the squad would have to go it was like hey uh well let's search that house right there (laughs) it looks nice we would find like the nicest house on the on the block and and go do a a random search and uh just to use the facilities uh we wouldn't really like overdo it we most of us would be down there sitting there talking to the family you know what I mean? While like the yeah, one person is searching, trash in the bathroom. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't even have you know. So like, I don't know if I'll do know this, but like, they don't have toilets, right? They right. have, they have the little the little hole in the ground you squat over, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you, you know, so they they come back and 
you find anything? No, it's uh, it's all good. All all good. You know what I mean? It's clear. Y'all have a good day. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and then that'd be that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I can just yeah. imagine those families like afterwards, like, well, I need to go piss real quick. And it's like, oh my God, what the fuck died in here? <laughs> <laughs> Jalapeno cheese spread. What is, what is that? <laughs> oh man. Uh, how about your experiences? I, I know that uh, whenever you guys went to like a town or what have you, you guys had to like build rapport with the villagers, right? And mm-hmm. some of the things that they would do would be like have a sit down, you know, your, um, your platoon leader, what have you, your squad. There would be one squad that would go in and everybody else would stay mounted on the vehicles. And then you would go in there and have tea with them and then take the interpreter and have them communicate with them. Hey, what's going on? What, what do you guys need? Uh, have you got any information? We'll pay for you. You know, just build a report back, right? I remember one time uh, we had did that and um I was sitting there. It was my, I think it was my first time to go in there because usually they picked another squad, but I was happy. I was like, man, let's go in here, drink some motherfucking tea, you know, get my shit, put my fucking shit right here, get my little tea set up. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, give me some more tea. And this, I think this is the the village elder. So um, he wanted to cook for us. And I think that he had a cook, I don't know, chicken and like maybe, I don't know if it was lamb. I don't know what it was. And I think I got to the chicken. And I was like, man, the chicken was pretty good. They, I think they seasoned it with like some, like the salt, like you can see the salt grain on the, on the chicken. I was like, man, this chicken is good. I ate it. And then um, as they're, we're about to leave, we're, we're, I, I go outside and I see, um, I don't know if it was the female, I don't know who was washing dishes, but they're washing dishes in this little tub of water. And then I seen the guy, one of the guys going there and put his feet in this, in this water thing, spit spit fucking blew his nose on there and then fucking rinsed his hands off you know cleaning his hands on his dress whatever and then i just kind of think about it for a second i was like wait those are the same dishes that they just used to fucking cook our food and i just seen this guy dip his toes in there blew snack rockets in there fucking spit mm-hmm. wash his face i was like oh man mother that's that extra seasoning yeah that's that's the extra seasoning man from there they yeah. on in they say oh you guys want to go in there and meet the i was like no i'm cool i'm, I'm just gonna stick to the to the to the tea i'm gonna say shukran and i'm gonna fucking step out <laughs> yeah I did the same thing. I, I figured the tea would be hot enough that it would kill the germs. Kill it, yeah. I, but I dabbled into the bread from time to time. Yeah. And that was a, that was enough to chill out. I think I think I ate meat like once from one of those little yeah. little uh little those I don't stores. know little yeah 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 well I don't even know if this was a store. I think it was just like some dude with a cart with like oh. sticks of oh, meat. Shit. Yeah, so there's no telling what it was. You know, Ooh, I mean? it's like dogs there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I was like, well, there's a, a lot less dogs out this last week. Oh, <laughs> you want dog on a stick? Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, we like we we mostly stuck to bread. I I I think even there was even a rule in place at some point where like it was like you don't don't sit there and like, we don't eat the meat or anything that they have to like prepare. Like bread is okay because they probably can't poison the bread, right. which I guess like. I guess they fucking could have. But. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That chicken looked good. Man. I was like, they hey, I'm going to eat that chicken. Yeah, and then you fucking got it. I didn't <laughs> have to tell me, like, hey, don't uh, eat that shit because I'm not going to eat it, dude. Like, the tea. And then, like I said, I ate the, the fucking bread maybe, like, the last two months we were there. Yeah. And then there was also a chocolate candy that was wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it had some kind of like gooey chocolate in the middle, and it was uh like a wafer. I don't know if yeah. anybody remembers that. Oh, that sounds kind of good. Oh my god, 
<laughs> well, I think I'll, I'll, I give little kids on the street like 20 bucks. Go give me as many as you can. And that's a ton yeah. of money. And then, you know, oh, yeah. what am I going to do with the money? So well, what about yeah. what about your experience with those kids? Um, I know that uh, whenever we did our patrols, they're always Mr. Mr. Chocolate, chocolate. They always yeah, wanted yeah, chocolate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it MREs had either Tootsie Rolls or M&Ms or something. You, so I, I remember these kids, they'd always say, Mr. Mr. Chocolate, chocolate. And as soon as we didn't have it, or, hey, wave them off, we ain't got it, they'd flip us off or throw rocks out of stuff. Like, yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so we deployed to Kosovo in 2002 and then Iraq in 04. And which really interesting, two different places, two different people. Um, the kids were exactly the same like (laughs) interchangeable they could have been the same fucking kids you know what i mean because i mean they always that hey mister uh give me chocolate um give me water uh it was always give me give me give me right it was always hey mister give me this give me that and um kosovo some of the dudes were a little some of the some of the guys in platoon were kind of assholes about it um but in iraq uh we used to we used to even go on these missions right so it was like part of the hearts and minds portion of like the whole reason we were there like we would get, you know, like 800 dinar and we'd have to go out to like buy fucking shoes. Right. And we'd go buy up all these shoes. Then we'd hand them out to kids. And I remember some kids like coming up and getting kid, uh, shoes and then taking them and you'd watch him. He'd run and stash them behind something and come back. Hey, Mr. Mr. Give me shoes. You know what I mean? Like you just yeah. um, he's like, oh, no, no, those are for my sister. You know, um, we used to go buy soccer balls for them. Oh, nice. Um, so we would do shit like that, and it was it was pretty cool. I remember I gave a kid um, an unsharpened pencil. That's all I had on me, right? And yeah. he was like, uh, like he, he's like, give me something. I was like, I don't have chocolate. I don't have anything. So he's give me something. So I gave him an unsharpened pencil that I had on me. I have no idea why I had it. But, dude, that kid lit the fuck up over an unsharpened pencil. Like, probably doesn't even know what the fuck it is, right? Yeah. Probably, Baby, he can go write something now. <clears throat> right. Well, it's not sharpened either, you know what I'm saying? And you think he's got a fucking sharpener at home? I mean, I guess he could rub it on the ground until the graphite showed, but it's a struggle. He's gonna have to fucking take it, and you know, every not everything can be fucking great. You got to struggle a little bit, so he got to figure out the sharp. Yeah, well, I mean, he he was so excited over this unsharpened pencil, man. It was like I just handed him the keys to his first, you know, Ferrari. And I feel like uh, how I don't know how how it was for you guys, but um, I feel like uh, we transitioned obviously from uh, you know, search and destroy type stuff and finding surgeons and deter and caches and I think we had sons of sons of Iraq where that we had them helping us out and then we would pay them and it was probably them that was planning the cache. But um, I, towards the end of our uh, tour, we definitely went more to the humanitarian role where we was uh, you know like putting electricity on water and uh yeah some of these i mean there a lot of these p- villages or places we was at they're very grateful for you know for us being there yeah. um and they definitely were scared when we were leaving because they felt like oh shit like you, if you guys don't stay here you know they're gonna come back and fucking take over and destroy everything that you guys basically just created and probably fuck us up for helping you guys out right so you guys really did have a really strong bond with the folks that you're uh, patrolling um we did towards the end a little bit in the beginning i feel like it was a little rough because mm-hmm. you know we get there they did probably have a bunch of surgeons you know s- like spread out through the whole village and you know they were basically they were getting you know hey either either they're getting paid to shoot at us or or getting threatened to shoot at us not killing their own families or what have you so they kind of didn't have a choice some of them i feel yeah. like they were forced to do so and i know we got a 
when I was there, mm -hmm. we had a couple of missions as the 11 Charlie where we were, you know, shooting, you know, we was, we had a couple of fire, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, we had a couple of uh, missions, fire missions, there we go. We have a couple of fire missions and some of those missions that we had was basically, hey, there's a father and a kid shooting at us with a mortar. We have to, you know, destroy the target. And then you're thinking like, man, like what pushes or what motivates, you know, a father to say, hey, we're going to go and shoot, you know, these Americans with mortars and stuff like that. And half the time was because they, you know, they hate us and we're the, you know, their enemy. But the other half was because they were forced to. So yeah. that was always kind of, you know, the sucky part of, you know. I guess it's the second part of war, right? It's just, you know, yeah. it is what it is. So psychologically, yeah. how did that, how did you deal with that? Um, and, 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 that you had to deal with. Yeah, in the heat of the moment of when shit happened, you 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 really don't. You like, I feel like we had, it was nonstop for us. Like, I think we, there was days, months, and we would get like three hours of sleep. We picketed it for like 12, uh, 12 hours, then come back and it's like, hey, Monica, you got a, you got a tire guard for four hours. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so our fucking, we were understat, under, undermanned at first when we got there. So we had fucking shitty ass fucking day. So whenever anything happened, uh, we didn't really have time to process it, basically. Uh, it would be like, oh, shit, do you hear, like, you know, during, uh, say, talk guard, you switching over, hey, man, uh, did you hear about this fucking mission happening? Apparently, uh, they, you know, a couple guys got blown up, or, oh, hey, uh, you know, that mortar we dropped, yeah, we, you know, accidentally killed, like, a family or something like that. And it was always kind of like, oh, shit, but we would go into the next mission and not really have time to process it. Now, like, I think it took me, like, maybe a year after coming back out, after the point, after coming back, um, for me to kind of start slowly thinking about it and be like, like, damn, that's mm. like, yo, that, that was a fucked up situation or that, man, that sucked. I didn't even, like, why am I, why did I not even think, of, I didn't even think twice about it when it happened. I didn't really bother me none. And now that I'm home and I'm kind of sitting with, you know, some of these thoughts and memories that I had from those events, then I'm kind of like, like, fuck, man, that fucking sucks, bro. Um, and then, you know, you, everybody, all my buddies that I play with, you know, they're all over the States. I can sometimes, sometimes, you know, talk, talk, I'll call somebody and see how they're doing and, and how they're managing and dealing with certain things. And we all apparently have the same type of a reaction or, you know, to, to things that we went through because we all dealt with them slightly differently, but almost the same way. We, some of us got back home, got DUIs, um, either married got divorced like and it, it is all due to i think the infantry mentality and i talk to people even now especially during like you know we have like our suicide prevention what have you we talk about um how important it is to be able to reflect on those things and be able to talk it out even if it's with your own uh you know buddies from when you deployed or whatever because um a lot of people were kind of numb to it per se and i think the infantry mentality of uh you know ain't nothing nothing's wrong with me or yeah. um you know anything if, you, if it's like you go to you go to um you go to uh to the to the troop to the troop a station right because you twist your ankle or you, just, you hurt yourself everybody's looking at you like you know uh bluebird like broke bird like all right man like you know you're really not that it's not that serious like you're just trying to get out of doing some work or some bullshit yeah. so that mentality from when is ingraining you from basic training on to you know you get out of the military is nothing's wrong with you you know anything if you demonstrate a show or you speak about anything being hurting or 
it's, it's kind of looked at as weak as per se. So mentally you're kind of programmed program like that. So you don't, you think nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you. But then the thing is, is that shit, when I got home, I fucking blew through all my Iraq money <laughs> within the first couple of months. I got a DUI. I was probably getting fights every weekend. Um, um, relationship with family was a little, you know, it was a little turbulent. And it, it kind of got me to finally, I think my DUI was what finally got me to like wake up, uh, hit another car. I was drunk. I, thank to God I didn't hurt nobody else. But um, I woke up in jail. I didn't know what happened. And um, I have this pink slip saying that my bill is like, you know, a certain amount of money. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Everybody's talking about, hey, what you in here? What you in here for? And I'm like, I'm here for this. How much is your bill? It's like, oh, shit, damn. Did you hurt somebody? I was like, damn, that's a lot of money for a DUR. And I was like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. And um, that moment of not knowing if I hurt somebody or, you know, and just thinking about like, fuck, my life just flashed before my eyes. It's one of those like, uh, before joining the military, like, oh, shit. You're, you're, you, yeah. you, you fucked up. Your life has just changed for the worse. Good job, you dumb motherfucker. You look where you're at now. You, why did you have to learn the hard way? Why did it have to come to this moment for you to say, oh shit, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe I have been drinking a little bit too much. Maybe I've been trying to numb myself for so long without thinking about certain things. Uh, maybe I do need to talk to a therapist. Maybe I do, I, 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 need, I need help. I need, I, you know. But it took me all, it took all of those things and that one moment for me to be like, all right, um, if I can get out of this, I'm gonna I'm do everything in my power to try to, you know, help myself out. I'm gonna seek help. Um, I'm gonna stop doing certain things that's, you know, adding, adding more than, you know, I need to have that I can handle. Um, my, the way I've been thinking about it, the way I've been dealing with it is not, it's not, you know, it's not helping me out. Yeah, but that's heavy, man. I mean, you go through so much to get to where you were at that point after that deployment, and then fucking DUI, like, uh, and we yeah. wake up in jail on top of that, like, what the fuck happened? Like, oh yeah. man, <clears throat> like that's one of my fucking fears, uh, or it wasn't one of my fears. I never drink and drive now, but when I was little or something like that, getting hit by a drunk driver, man, fucking terrified me. Now to this day, even fucking scares me to death so if y'all are out there drinking and driving man stop it because nine times out of ten the person who was driving is okay in the accident but the people they hit are all fucked up so at least think about the folks on the road before you fucking do that we got uber we got lyft we got hopefully you got a friend you can call maybe uh yeah no especially uber nowadays i feel like there's no excuse for you to get a dui now to endanger your life and then everybody else's life like when i was when i uh got my dui there was no uber at the time there was still taxis and i could you know call the taxi just the same but i feel like now uber lyft there's so many ways you can you know if it's gonna cost you fifty dollars to get home it's better than ten thousand dollars that it cost me for a dui damn yeah ten thousand dollars and potentially some of somebody else's life or your own I mean, I, so that's a big thing, though, right? So whenever you're talking about, like, all these, like, you're talking about, like, self-destructive behavior, right? And kind of unknowingly um, going through these motions. Um, like, I was real bad about it, too. Like, when I came home, um, so we went from Iraq in February of 05 to Germany and then back home. I was home June 1st of 05, right? So from February, like, 
and like we were in firefights and shit up until the end so like, we didn't really get a chance to do humanitarian stuff i mean we did littered throughout but like 0405 man it was just the wild west like so we were in yeah. firefights up, up to that last week we were in the patrol base in town um so we're in we're in fights and then bam germany bam home no military support like no no um no veteran community to fall back on no awareness at the time of ptsd um i had an uncle who was in vietnam in 68 who um i had spoken with and he was like these are some things that you're about to feel some things that you're about to experience um here's what worked for me here's what didn't work for me i mean some of it was bad advice because he was definitely kind of mad at the va um in general because the va had not been right. uh, revamped like it has been since then um but like so more or less like we go from combat operations to home within a matter of months and then and then um i remember when we came back to germany from iraq part of our um in processing back into into germany or whatever um was the you know like the the, uh, they had the medical stuff and they'd ask you um do you have ptsd and it's like i don't i don't know what that is and she's like well if you don't know what it is you probably don't have it but if you do have it any symptoms should subside within eight weeks right it's awesome <laughs> great so even if i am even if i do have this thing these four letters i'll be fine in two months perfect whatever i'll deal with it then and um you know here we are fucking <clears throat> 17 years later 18 years later and you know now we now we know what ptsd is so in, in the past we knew it was shell shock and 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 all these other various terms from vietnam and korea and world war one and two and now we know it as post-traumatic stress disorder um and then there's different degrees of it and different variations of it so we know more about it now right yeah. and we know now um i mean in, in a lot of this stuff we, it wasn't you can say thanks to social media i suppose because it, it you have these uh, these 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 communities of veterans who are putting the word out there and being like look guys this is something that we have this is something that we deal with you are not alone um this when they came out with the 22 veterans a day which by the way i don't know if y'all have heard the latest numbers but it's double that now it's 44 a day is the average 44 veterans a day commit suicide um so the problem is continuing to get worse and um and that it was it's crazy because we know more about it now we know we know way more about post-traumatic stress disorder we know way more about the effects of it we we, we know how it's caused or that it can be caused by anything that the uh, person perceives as traumatic <clears throat> and people are still just not going out and seeking the help that they need. Right. And so they're, they're out there engaging in these self-destructive behaviors, drinking driving, fighting, um, you know, and, and turning into drugs. Uh, yeah, drugs. Exactly. I mean, a lot of these things, and then they're just fucking dying from these things. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it, and it, it's, it's fucking sad. And, they're not going out and they're not getting the help. And, you know, like, cause I, I was kind of the same as you, right? Like I didn't end up, I didn't get a DUI. I wasn't arrested for anything like that, but like, I did have a few instances where I had like run-ins with the police. Fortunately, they were under understanding um, of the situation. And, um, but like, I did have a handful of events where I was like, and like, you look at them after the fact and you're like, fuck man, like that was dumb. Yeah. That was insane that i did what i just did um i need to quit i need to figure out my life and you know sometimes you'd slip up and you'd end up right back there and you're like, fuck man okay back to square one but like let's let's continue to do it 
but I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, resiliency, I suppose, you know, this urge to, to want to be better. This first of all, understanding and accepting that, yes, there is something wrong with you because like you said, the infantry mindset or the soldier mindset, you know, I'm this big, you know, tough badass, and there's nothing wrong with me and I can handle anything. And, oh, I've been through worse, or I've gone longer, I've, I've gone, you know, longer awake on less sleep and, you know, blah, 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 I can handle this. And these are all self-destructive behaviors. We're not taking care of ourselves. Um, right. So I think in the last like 13 years or so, like I've taken w- way more of an interest in my, in my health um, because of a lot of this stuff, right? Cause like, I don't want to feel like shit. I don't want to feel bad I, I don't want to like get shitty sleep uh, depressed yeah, yeah. depression kicks in to, and then i feel like too what, what it is is that that transition period right um you you go you're deployed for 15 months um and you live every day like it might be the last day right like you ids yeah. you just run across the id there's no control for that firefight at least you get a shoot back but you, you live every day like, man, this might be my last day, which I'm pretty sure you guys had days where you're like, fuck, yeah. if I get by to today, then then tomorrow be another day. And every day was like one day at a time. And there's you live, but you live like that for a certain amount of time while you're deployed. So you're home. That mentality kind of stays with you a little bit. Like today might be my last. <laughs> it's not because of course your environment and it's not, you're not thinking like that. It's not the same dangers, but you, your actions kind of, kind of, do yeah. come out like that like this might like i said i blew through all my money i was fighting i was drinking i was i wasn't thinking about it I was like today was the only day i was thinking about and wasn't i didn't have a a good um outlook on the future a little bit because i wasn't looking for the future um now uh, i know that things that helped me by i i, I did the va I, I went and i sat there i done group therapy i done different things and um and sometimes I just either couldn't not relate to, or I maybe wasn't a mindset to, or I wasn't open to it. Um, but I, I tried, um, you know, I got, I got myself a dog. I feel like a dog helped me a lot. I had a Doberman. I love the shit out of this dog. Um, that kind of helped me a lot. Um, Cause then I had to care for somebody outside of myself. Yeah, I knew I had. To, I gotta walk this dog. I gotta care for this dog. I gotta take him to the park. I gotta. It was like you know I have. I had to live for something outside of myself. Um, I, I went back to the boxing gym. I uh, I was all right, man. What are your dreams? This is what dreams is. Then go out there and you know apply full pressure on it every day. Uh, don't let your dreams slip through your hands because of you know your mental handicap, which enables you or prevents you from doing what you want to do um family uh try to get closer to family i felt like that was another thing that that's huge is that a lot of veterans don't have a a strong support system Mm -hmm. and um and how can you try to explain something to somebody that's never experienced what you experienced can't understand or see why you're kind of going through this it was like i felt like that was very challenging for me because how can i tell like hey you know sometimes every every once in a while i do have little night terrors you know cold sweats whatever from dreaming about a certain event that happened while i was deployed like i can try to paint the picture as much as i can from for them to see like man that is pretty graphic that is kind of why you know you're kind of messed up where you can't you know but you can't so it's then not not kind of feel it yeah so so then it became i'm not trying to draw a picture for them to understand me but um I'm I just, you know, if, just being there with them or, you know, being around them or, you know, maybe doing something for them kind of helped me say, okay, you know what, 
Um, I, I have family. I, I have friends. Uh, I can always call one of my my battles back home or back wherever they're at and see what they're doing and try to help them if they're going through something. And doing that slowly but surely started kind of helping me out. I also joined um, a program that helped me a lot too. It's called the uh, Saw. It's kind of like the Wounded Warriors Project, but it's called the uh, Save a Warrior. And um, it was a uh, it was actually started by uh, Jake Clark. He was a uh, FBI slash um, he was a police he was a police officer or chief I don't know if he was made it to chief but he was a police officer I forgot uh, what his rank was and um, he all, he was also in the military so he he started this program to help vets right and um, I like the Wonder Warrior project uh, we did like a, a question like with animals we did a um, we did like group group therapy we were able to kind of you know spill their shit out there and say hey man man up this is what's going on this is what I'm going through. Um, that kind of helped. Um, we did variety. We went and pet. Um, well, we went and um, like petted like wolves, and these are wolves that people try to domesticate a little bit, and they either snapped out, like snapped down them, or whatever it is. And then obviously, like you know, some people just had to give these uh, wolves up. So these are kind of like uh, wolves that were kind of um, not broken, but basically get got therapy and got you know got the location they needed and housing and they were able to, you know, rehabilitate these wolves, basically. So they mm -hmm. took us there to go see these wolves. It was pretty neat because some of these wolves are scary. I never knew how scary these wolves are. Big black, all like all black wolf with yellow beady eyes. You're like, oh, this guy's going to turn into a damn werewolf or something. Dang but, uh, <laughs> shit. Big ass. Yeah. Dire but uh, I, did, I did that. And, uh, and I think being around other veterans that were going through the same thing, they were having similar issues, similar problems, kind of lets you know, hey, you're not by yourself. Other people are dealing with these things just like you are, and it's okay to need help. And yeah. I, I, I did that. Um, also, too, I think uh, MVP, I think it's um, – yep. I don't know if you heard of MVP. Yeah, yeah, we've had him on the show before. On the show. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, so I've, I've, I did, I did that for a little bit, and it's, it's nice to all of a sudden jump on a, uh, on a Zoom call with them, and uh, you, you got a, you know, like your favorite Steeler football player in there or something like that as a spokesperson. You was like, who's that? You know, uh, but also too the the group of um, soldiers, vets that are going through the same thing, and then you have people that you know these are uh, athletes that have their own mental struggles or issues and you think like these are the athletes that you see every day that have money that you know coaches and stuff like that they think they have all the answers and you know we put them on a high pedestal and um they have issues too so having the interaction with that kind of helped too and those, yeah. those are some of the programs that i've joined but also i think it's important for for people to be aware of these programs and to know hey it's not a it's not a cheesy kumbaya circle of people holding each other's hands and doing you know yoga or whatever mm -hmm. and I mean, if that, I mean, it's not that it's, it's more than that. It's more, it's more about, it's a brotherhood still. And just cause you're not wearing a uniform or you're not wearing a uniform as much. Um, it's, it's, it helps you bond and connect. And it's always fun sometimes to go back to those stories of, Hey man, yeah. I don't know if it happened to you, but I got similar poisoning or, or this happening. And you share those stories and, you know, yeah, I feel like it helps you heal. Okay. Yeah. It's so I was, I was gonna say it's like um when I when I had spoken to my uncle uh, he was like man like don't do the group therapy thing right because all it did for me was uh, you know just I'm just retelling these fucking stories and I was reliving that shit and this is have more nightmares and just making shit worse so I just stopped going I was like yeah I'm not gonna do that either that sounds dumb um 
and then you know it gets to the point where like and so i didn't really talk a ton about any anything really i mean stuff here and there right but like nothing none of the major stuff none of the bad stuff and um you know tyree convinces me to come into the reserves i was already looking at wanting to come back anyway i was gonna i was thinking about going back active duty and go going to the reserves and i come into this drill sergeant unit and then <clears throat> fast forward some time later um 2009 my first time on the trail and 2009 dude like after training like these, these soldiers were deploying like an average of like 60 days so like two months after completion of ait they were off so afghanistan cool. iraq wherever the fuck right and i took that shit personal i was like fuck dude these these dudes are not going to get any like real world training any combat training and so like i gotta like i gotta give them everything that i have and that made me talk about shit more and i was like fuck man here i am talking about this stuff that like i don't want to talk about and it did help a lot right yeah. <clears throat> Um, and a lot of these programs you're talking about, like saw wounded, I think wounded warrior was in like in infancy at the time, uh, MVP wasn't around. So there wasn't a lot of this stuff at that time. Um, but we're, we're definitely seeing a lot more of those come up. And, uh, and that was one of the things we, when we, when we did talk about MVP, that, 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 that what you're talking about, like everybody has problems. We want like community outreach. We want to get with people. We want to, you know, make it more aware, uh, because it is so stigmatized, right? Like mental health. Right. It's like, oh, well, I mean, you break your arm. He's like, oh, you broke your arm. You break your brain and nobody's like, oh, you broke your brain. You know, it's like, oh, just fucking tough it up. Yeah. All right. Um, but uh, the testimony. Yeah, man. Like, you know, brush some dirt on it. Fucking, you know, drink water, move out. Yeah. Um, drink water. Yeah. But like, uh, it's it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's a it's it's a big, big fucking problem. And then nobody seems to give a shit about it. But the one thing that I was gonna, I was going to say, like, you put yourself involved with Save a Warrior. You put yourself involved with MVP, right? Right. So that's that's kind of the big problem with it is like if I'm suffering from something, I have to pull myself up. I mean, sure, right. I can I can talk to Tyree and I can talk to some of the, uh, my, my other buddies, whatever, and they can like point me in the right direction. They can give me all these resources. You know, they can give me the fucking um, the one source phone number, suicide hotline number, but I have to call it. Right. You know I mean? and, and so that's i think a big problem is it's just people are not people we we know that these these things exist but for whatever reason the individuals are just not going through that and i think it gets to that point where it's like you know i can do this i can tough it up as they're getting ready to fucking end their life i can do this i can i can toughen up i can handle this and then bam so i just i I don't know what the fucking problem is, but, and you know how it is in the army, right? Like we fix everything with a PowerPoint. Well, that shit ain't oh, working. Yeah. Yeah, that's not you know right. what I think it is? I think that uh, military folks were, were taught to be tough. We're, yeah. we're strong, hardcore motherfuckers, right? We cannot fail. And <clears throat> here we are in our personal lives. You feel like you're failing and you're taught that you can't fail. And it's like, wait a minute, in my, in my brain, some shit's like malfunctioning because this shouldn't be happening. Oh man, everyone fails at some point in life. Like it, it's okay. Like yeah. you, you've overspent. Okay, you can stop because you can understand that you've overspent, and then fix it. Uh, I'm still working on that myself, hardcore. Like if you, it, for it, for example, you got a DUI, man. So you stop doing that and you put yourself on the right path. Um, it, it's just. You got to Some, do what you got to do, right? Sometimes it takes that event, that one big significant event to like unfuck yourself. Yeah. Right. yeah. 
but mm-hmm. but I feel like uh, it shouldn't have to get to that point. I feel like because uh, even like say you out process and you transit, you're trying to get out, like you did your not three months civilization or what have you. Uh, no, like I feel like it, it, it takes it's gonna take leadership for them to be like, hey, this is the importance of doing this because for our process for me, I didn't care about none of that shit. I just wanted to be go through the out process and do what I gotta yeah. do, check the boxes, call the numbers. Yes, here's a pamphlet, one source, blah blah. But yeah, cool. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I probably threw that shit as soon as I was done. I didn't fucking need. It. I didn't think I needed it or wanted it. And um, and I, I mean, there's so many resources that is out there, but. Sometimes you just don't know that they they exist, and yeah. the reason why is because sometimes people don't like communicate the importance of our process and is and hey, guess what? You know, when you come out a couple months from now, you might you might freak out a little bit. You don't you don't need to. Uh, you might freak out because you know job finances, uh, mental yeah, some mental issues that you that you probably are gonna start reflecting on stuff that happened. But this is this is some of the tools that you can use to to be able to help yourself out. If this doesn't work, there's this. If that doesn't work, there's that. You know, because uh, just sharing a pamphlet or a number, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not gonna help you out. It didn't it didn't help me out. Um, and, but also too, like as a leader, like myself and being through that situation, like you know, to tell the next person, the next soldier, the next generation, hey don't wait for it to get to this point for you to seek help or to you know it's fine we're all human we all we all need some guidance y'all need a light you need somebody to point you the right direction and um you know not to fall into that you know the negative stigma of mental health is equals being mentally weak and you know because i feel like it it, it does not across you know the military or the police itself because i mean you look at suicide rates they're pretty high uh among men in general and yeah. I think that the stigma is being mentally weak. You know, everybody looks at a person that is going through depression or, you know, any type of situation and be like, oh man, this guy's a fucking weak ass bitch. But yeah. I think that it takes a lot more of a man to say that I'm going through this and I'm fighting this and I'm trying to, you know, get a hold of this. Can you please help me? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of fights, you bounce back from your DUI. You're a professional fighter now. That's your yeah. occupation. Uh, that's fucking hardcore, by the way. Uh, yeah, I love punching people in the face, man. <laughs> you got to harness that energy when you're younger. So, what is it like yeah. to step into the ring or walk to the ring with a crowd full of folks? Oh, man, we're booing you. Uh, what is that like? Uh, it's a, I get a, it's a uh, my endorphins. It, it feels it feels it fuels me up so much. Uh, tell you the truth, from um. It's just facing that monster because I think uh, prior to a fight, you're you already start the closer it gets, the more antsy you get, right? It's like Mike Tyson says, uh, before I step out of the, into the ring, I'm fucking scared. I'm fucking, you know, I'm thinking this man's gonna beat me, he's gonna defeat me. The closer I get, the more confident I get. And as soon as I step into the ring, I'm a fucking god. I'm gonna kill this man, you know. So mm-hmm. for me, I kind of <laughs> maybe not to the extent of Mike Tyson because he's a little extreme and then and his mindset. <laughs> uh yeah a little but, yeah but for but for me um it was the nervousness of like i never feared the guy itself beating me i never thought like this guy's gonna beat my ass right but it's the build-up of 
getting ready for a fight, losing weight, dealing with, you know, different factors, bills, blah, blah, family, what have you. And mm. then the closer you get to the fight, the more nervous you kind of feel because then people that you invited or friends or family, like, all right, man, you know, I'm gonna I'm, I'm call off work today, man. But, you know, don't get, don't get your ass beat. Don't get knocked out. Mm. You're like, Spotlights on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, every little thing just starts kind of adding a little bit, mm. but, um, and then it's kind of like a fist fight sometimes. Sometimes the most real conversation a man can have with another man or a woman can have with another one, right? When you're in there, just you two, you're looking at each other before the bell rings and you're looking across the, the, the ring, you see him eyeing you, you know, dead stare, and you're looking right back at him. And then you have the crowd to the, to the side. You have people that are probably already drinking and friends and they're screaming your name and, all right, come on, come on. And you're just kind of like, all right, you kind of like, kind of try to mute it out a little bit, but you can hear people's voices. Some voices kind of stick out a little bit more than others. And then ding, ding, ding. These guys running at you, you're running at him. And then you're like, all right, everybody, everybody has a game plan, right? Before a fight. Everybody has a game plan. All right, I'm going to move my jazz. I'm going to start, bink, bink. All of a sudden, he buzzes you. You're like, oh, shit. At that point, it's either, you know, fight or, you know, flight or, or fight. And then you're in a boxing ring, so you definitely don't want to, you know, you don't want to take off running, right? Yeah. So you got to answer You got to answer that. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, it's going to be me. But see, at that moment, when I get when I get hit or whatever, I'm kind of like, all right, you got to grab onto this monster. And you got to be ready to, you know, take the punches, but you better give them better and, you know, you don't want to be the guy that gets knocked out. You don't want to be the, the guy that's getting up saying, oh, what happened? And he's like, yeah, nobody, you didn't win. <laughs> you got laid out, you know. But uh, the adrenaline of, because I've been in fights where I've been knocked down. Uh, my last fight, I got knocked down in the second uh, second uh, second round. Um, the guy was a uh, southpaw. So it, our feet is a little unorthodox. And then sometimes when you're used to fighting a certain style, you're used to seeing his power hand come at you from a certain distance. So the southpaw is the opposite. And sometimes you kind of lose, you kind of lose your foot a little bit. I think like I, I took a step and when I took a step, my feet were, uh, were they were straight there. I didn't have my back foot in. So when I took that step, he threw his left hand, boop, went down. It was a, I wasn't like hurt or buzz. It was a flash knockdown. I got I, I took a knee a little bit and I, I wanted to make sure that I was good and I didn't wasn't really hurt because sometimes you take a shot and your legs are still not working with you so I was kind of like I took a knee I thought about it I kind of looked up I smirked the crowd was kind of screaming a little bit ah! I hear my friends come on here, get up and I was kind of like all right I smiled and I was like all right man so what are you gonna do you gotta answer the call now you're down now like you know my head I'm like you're over here playing around and now you're down on the scorecards what are you gonna do I, I got back up and I kind of, my, my brain just super focused. When you're hurt, your body goes into super focused uh, protection mode. And then went to super focus. And I was kind of like, I hear people speak, ah, ah. and I was kind of like, all right, you know, time, time, we had, you're good. You know, and he, where he messed up, he felt a little bit confident now. He was up in the scorecards. He got down. He seen me looking at him and kind of like leaning back. It was kind of like, all right, man, what you going to do? He kind of smiled. And I, I, I kind of jab, jab, put him against the ropes a little bit. And then I threw an overhand right, and he leaned back on it. He was against the rope, so he couldn't really get away from it too much. Plucked him. All of a sudden, he kind of like buckles down a little bit. And I hit him like two more rights, and down he went. All of a sudden, the crowd ah, was jumping. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you got so much adrenaline pumping. Like, I knew. I turned around and looked at him. I knew he was not going to make the count. I don't know why I did it. I've never done it. I've never done it ever. I kissed my both my biceps. I turned around. <laughs> I was ah. <laughs> man, it was, and everybody started screaming. Ah! Okay, and I was like, man, man, 
Yeah, that was a yeah, that was a high. Yeah, so uh, that was your last fight. Yeah, that was my last fight. It was uh, yeah. towards the end of 2018, 19. Mm. Yeah, man, so, what what really what really stopped me from um from continuing after that? I was like, you know, in the ring trying to get ready for another one, see if anything uh happened or lined up for me, and then COVID happened. Oh. Um, uh, when COVID happened. And all the gyms, all the, you know, it's a pub, all these public gyms, you know, you got people sharing sweat and stuff like that. So all these gyms got closed down. And, uh, and you know, after that, I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I wasn't able to go to the gym no more. I couldn't score. I was still running. I was still, you know, I had some boxing equipment in the garage and I was using that. And I was like, okay, I just got to, they're going to open back up eventually. So I was like, I just got to, you know, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Right. Floyd, Mo- mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather says that all the time. And, um, and then I, I see something that kind of hit and struck a nerve with me was um, there was a, like, a little IG video. And the, the, the video says, if you can't do what you're great at today, who are you tomorrow? And, and that kind of struck a note to me because I, I, I had to ask myself that question. If I'm not good at what I'm good today, then who am I tomorrow? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm military. I'm a veteran. I'm reserves. Um, I'm going to school, fire engineering, try to get, you know, my, my, my degree to, to become a firefighter. But those are all things that I was currently working on. But I couldn't say that I can't say I'm a firefighter. I mean, I'm in the reservists, right? I was like, I haven't even put in my promotion packet. I don't really care. I was in the, you know, backseat. Basically, I didn't really care for, for it too much. So I really challenged myself. I was like, you know what? Now that, you know, basically boxing is kind of, um, I wouldn't say in the back view window, but I wasn't active. I wasn't actively doing it. I said, let me put a little focus on something else. I was like, let me put focus into, let me get promoted. Let me uh, finish school. And uh, during these last two years, that's exactly what I did. I, um, I, I got uncomfortable with fucking, you know, being uncomfortable. I, uh, I was taking five classes at a time. I was actively in the reserves now. I went on ADOS. So I'm, you know, I'm working every day. And, um, yeah, I went to AOC. I got a distinguished honors grad, and then I graduated uh, with uh, with honors and got my bachelor's in fire engineering. So I was able to apply full focus on that, and um, you know, set it up a little bit. So I haven't been actively fighting, but because I've been focusing on that. But and that's why I said I was like, I haven't really, I really haven't hung up the gloves yet. You know, yeah. Uh, I feel like every fighter has a has a last ass whooping that they get before they say. All yeah. right, you know what? I think it's time for me to hang yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I haven't got that. I won my last fight by knockout. So uh, we'll see. We'll see where uh, where where I go from here. Hey man, more power to you. You're over here kicking life's ass. You can't be in the ring all the time, getting degrees yeah. and shit. Yes, sir. It's good shit. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Another thing too, I think that uh, another reason why I wanted to do that was because uh, I feel like being an infantry man, you get that uh, you get put in a box, right? Your infantry guys are fucking dumb or this and that. And I was kind of like, and I'm an athlete too, right? So I was like, even in the reserves, people would be like, oh, okay, you know, everybody can run fucking, you know, twelve minute fucking miles, da da da. Or the reason why this and that. And I was like, dude, everything you guys think that everything's based on my athletic ability. I'm sure it helps, right? But I was like, uh, let me go to school and give me a little degree and let's see what they say then. Yeah. So. yeah. 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 And it's just a matter of trying to like beat stigmas, man. I mean, it's yeah. fucking, it's all it is, dude. Yeah. I tell people all the time, <clears throat> you know, like when, when I give a class to people on like battle drills and, 
and like how to react to contact or when you should break contact, the difference between a near and far ambush and all these different things. And I'm sitting there having to like explain like what every single person in that squad uh, formation or that platoon formation is doing, what they're being aware of, how they're tracking their ammo, their fucking water, their equipment, bad guys maneuvering through the fucking urban terrain or the woodland terrain or the desert terrain. Cause it all depends, right? Like where you are, right. how you respond. And so they're trying to explain this to people and they're like that's a lot of shit to like think about i'm like yeah that's the infantry so where motherfuckers sit there and call us like the dumbest people in the fucking army like we have so much to think about and we have this much time to think about it like it's yeah. all split reaction um so i was gonna i was gonna kind of ask you like with your experiences as an infantryman and um in iraq and then now like or you know and in, in, in then later on in the boxing ring like do you kind of feel like you were like that? I know you you were into boxing prior to that, but like, do you think that like prepared you more or set you up more for like, I've been through hardships, you know, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Like, yeah, I've, I've been through worse. Like, this guy's gonna punch me in the face. I've been punched in the face before. You know what I mean? Like, I've I've got this, and like I've I've been through worse. I can handle this. Like, I'm built this way. Do you think? That's oh yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like uh, you know, we get bunch of firefighters you have your adrenaline kind of kicking right you have adrenaline kind of like yeah you fucking blood pumping and you have to react the same way for boxing um uh you i've always had it but when 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 you push comes to shove and you know you're in a fist fight for boxing uh it definitely um like dude i've been you know been shot i've been through war like you know getting my ass well it's not you know it's not gonna fucking mentally handicap me where i'm just gonna like you know yeah. uh so i've I, whenever i've been knocked down i always get back up like i always i always actually smile anytime i've been knocked down because i'm kind of like fuck you caught me right uh but i think that uh having the military um as my foundation has definitely helped me a lot more in boxing because uh for fight camps you have to have a certain level of focus and uh discipline and i feel like i definitely used uh foundation military foundation to to help my help me out because you know losing 15 pounds um you know staying disciplined food i was like i've you know that all my my deployment all my experiences and past experiences have definitely helped me get ready for fucking a war a fist fight because that's essentially what it is and it's the same thing like one mistake can you know you can get shot mistake or stepping on ID, not being uh being distracted. Same thing for boxing. You take one, one, you you carry, you drag your hand, all of a sudden you come over the top, hook, you're down. So um, yeah, it's definitely helped me shave and um it definitely yeah, help me out a lot with boxing for sure. Yeah. I mean, and imagine in your personal life too, right? Like like going to school and 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 knocking all this stuff out. You said taking like five classes at one time, which is a yeah. huge load on top of being on ADOS orders, on top of yeah. everything else that's going on um and, I th and that is one thing that i think military people have an advantage of over their civilian counterpart is that we are kind of used to depending on your job right and the time you served we are kind of used to being slammed with you know yeah. fucking 30 long 30 hour long days you know what i mean and yeah. not getting a ton of sleep and just and having to like to em embrace the suck so to speak and then you get into civilian life you're like fuck man like you know where you i remember sitting in class in college before and listening to these kids like oh my god like this class started so early i'm like dude this class starts at 11 <laughs> like, this, is, this is not early like, bro it was almost lunchtime <laughs> yeah 
I've seen, I feel like that's all, that's been another fight, right? Like I, for me, for me and it, it was, I mean, infantry doing this and that, a lot of it's physically and also mentally, right? Being sleepy, praying and this and that and not losing your shit or cussing out your platoon sergeant or fucking doing some crazy shit, right? But uh, the school for me was a different challenge because it was more mental. And there's plenty of times mm-hmm. where I was like, man, fuck this shit. Like I'm, I'm, this is not for me. Like I can't sit here and, um, you know, be in this class for that long, or I can't, you know, for three hours. I remember I used to sit there for like three hours in the class and just be like, you know, PowerPoint presentations, right? Some of them kind of long, you'd be like, shit. You know, I get up and sit down and I was like, man, I don't think I can do this, but it's like, you know, everything else, like a firefight, uh, a fist fight, firefight. It's, it's a fight nonetheless. And you got to stay mentally focused. You got to look at the, what's the, what's the long-term objective for this? It's to do this. Okay. Well, how do you prepare for it? Are you prepared for it? So using those simple things that I've, that we acquired through the military and what have you, definitely you can, you can apply to anything across the board. It's like, yeah. all right, what do you need to do? What, how do you prepare for it? How do you get ready? What kind of troubles, challenges you're going to face and how are you going to deal with them and knock it out one piece at a time and, you know, just, hey, keep a nice little shuttle run. And before you know it, you're, you're done with these 10 miles. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it was easy, but uh, that's definitely, I use, I applied all those tools that I've had and I inquired through the time to, to help me, to get me through. Yeah. So, hey, man uh another good excellent show i want to thank you for coming on man you started off uh joining the military not even telling your folks going over to korea getting in trouble but figuring out that hey you love boxing uh you get deployed and it's a wild deployment you come back from that you get right into boxing right into that ring because you're a gladiator you know Yes, sir. Into a gladiator, all these tasks that you say you have to do, we're all gladiators in one way or another. You can do yep. it. And uh, yes, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It's uh, always a lot of fun to have uh, friends on, right? It's always fun to talk to buddies. Yeah, man. Appreciate you guys for having me, man. Uh, love conversating with you guys, conversing. Uh, I do hope that some people that that somebody hears this uh, podcast and definitely has some takeaways from it uh, for the for the good. And if anybody needs help or seeks help, um, there's so many different resources out there that's available to them. We're all imperfect humans. We're all working to, you know, be better human beings and not be throwaway humans. Uh, it's never too late. Seek help. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Man. Kevin, happy yeah. holidays. Oh yeah, happy holidays, Kevin. Hey, yeah, uh, yeah, happy holidays. Um, to y'all as well. No, definitely great having you on, man. Really insightful and a lot of really great information and like a super motivating fucking story. That's actually really badass. Like, oh yeah, uh, you know, just listening to them, like that's fucking cool, man. That's fucking cool, man. That's you know what I mean. So, um, definitely glad that, that, that we were able to record with you, especially on you know Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, um, sir. That's yeah, a bit. So. It's big. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually so, supposed to be at my my dad's house right now, but uh, uh, <laughs> you know, work first. Um, well, I mean, and this this is important, right? Like, and then you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I would have felt a little fucked up about it if like you did, if you had like a boring ass story, but like you don't, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> and so yeah, like yeah. when this shit, when this shit airs on Monday, you'd be like, hey, no, no, this 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 was a show like you know like worth recording, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. I mean they're not all they're not all great shows. <laughs> Some of them are. <laughs> they're not all. Yeah, great man. Shows. It was good talking with you guys, man. Feliz Navidad, Merry Christmas, and uh, shoot, talk to you guys soon. Soon later, yeah, man. Right, right on. on. I'm gonna close Please this out. Thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Please like, listen, share, and subscribe. Now watch. Uh, you can watch us now. I'll watch us on YouTube. You can watch this on YouTube a little bit later.
again, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your information. Thank you for staying and listening, listeners. Thank you for staying and watching, watchers. And that's all I got to say. Peace.